0: chapter 14 of anna of the five towns this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by monique mitchener anna of the five towns by arnold bennett chapter 14 end of a simple soul the next morning at half past seven anna was standing in the garden doorway of the priory the sun had just risen the air was cold roof and pavement were damp rain had fallen and more was to fall a door opened higher up the street and willie price came out carrying a small bag. He turned to speak to some person within the house, and then stepped forward. As he passed Anna, she sprang forth. Oh! she cried. I had just come up here to see if the workmen had locked up properly. We have some of our new furniture in the house, you know. She was as red as the sun over Hillport. He glanced at her. Have you heard, he asked simply, about what, she whispered, about my poor old father. Yes, I was hoping, hoping you would never know. By a common impulse, they went into the garden of the priory, and he shut the door. Never know, he repeated. Oh, they took care to tell me. A silence followed. Is that your luggage? She inquired. He lifted up the handbag and nodded. All of it? Yes, he said. I'm only an immigrant. I've got a note here for you, she said. I should have posted it to the steamer, but now you can take it yourself. I want you not to read it till you get to Melbourne very well,' he said, and crumpled the proffered envelope into his pocket. He was not thinking of the note at all. Presently he asked, ''Why didn't you tell me about my father? If I had to hear it, I sooner have heard it from you.'' ''You must try to forget it,'' she urged him. ''You are not your father.'' ''I wish I had never been born,'' he said, I wish I'd gone to prison. Now was the moment when, if ever, the mother's influence should be exerted. Be a man, she said softly. I did the best I could for you. I shall always think of you in Australia getting on. She put a hand on his shoulder. Yes, she said again passionately. I shall always remember you. always." The hand with which he touched her arm shook like an old man's hand. As their eyes met in an intense and painful gaze, to her at least, it was revealed that they were lovers. What he had learnt in that instant can only be guessed from his next action. Anna ran out of the garden into the street and so home never looking behind to see if he pursued his way to the station. Some may argue that Anna, knowing she loved another man, ought not to have married Miners. But she did not reason thus. Such a notion never even occurred to her. She had promised to marry Miners, and she married him. Nothing else was possible. She who had never failed in duty did not fail then. She who had always submitted and bowed the head submitted and bowed the head then. She had sucked in with her mother's milk the profound truth that a woman's life is always a renunciation, greater or less. Hers, by chance, was greater. Facing the future calmly and genially, she took oath with herself to be a good wife to the man whom with all excellences she had never loved her thoughts often dwelt lovingly on willie price whom she deemed to be pursuing in australia an honorable and successful career quickened at the outset by her hundred pounds this vision of him was her stay But neither she nor anyone in the five towns or elsewhere ever heard of Willie Price again. And well might none hear. The abandoned pit shaft does not deliver up its secret. And so the bank of England is the richer by a hundred pounds unclaimed, and the world the poorer by a simple and meek soul, stung to revolt. Only in its last hour. End of chapter fourteen. Recording by Monique Michener, Randallstown, Maryland. End of Anna of the Five Towns by Arnold Bennett.